Hey, welcome to Sharing Ford's Table Talk. Yeah, I'm back. And well, uh, sorry for the long absence, I guess. There was just a lot going on in my life. I had some personal stuff going on and I had a lot to do with my studies. And then there was this global pandemic. And uh, yeah. I just couldn't find the time, and much more importantly, I couldn't find the motivation to record an episode. And I generally believe that I cannot do this at all, or that I cannot do a good job if I'm not enjoying myself. So I had to wait, and I had to make sure that I really wanted it. And now I guess the time has come. And so... I can finally tackle episode 10. Having completed 10 episodes is such a nice first milestone. So of course it was crucial to choose the right detective to talk about. Fortunately for me and for you as well, this decision was an easy one because I could think about one detective and one detective only. And that man, yeah, it's a man, was Jules Maigret. Now, what is so special about this Maigret guy, you might ask? A lot of things. And I will tell you about it all after the intro. Episode 10 at Sharingford's Table Talk. Jules Maigret. Jules Maigret is a detective who was invented by the French author Georges Simenon in 1931. And if you remember what I've told you about the golden age of detective fiction, you will maybe see why Maigret is such an interesting character for a milestone episode or for closing one chapter and opening another one, let's say. If you don't remember, no worries. I'll explain. So the golden age of detective fiction was this era where most of the classical and the uh, well-known armchair gentleman detectives were invented. It was a time period somewhere between 1920 and 1930. And now Maigret, who was invented one year later, so one year after this era, very fittingly brings in tons of new elements to the detective character. And also very fittingly, he still entails a lot of the old elements too. So when reading a Maigret story, you can see on the one hand where the author Georges Simenon took his inspiration from, but on the other hand you can also see what Simenon tried to do differently to bring the concept further. And therefore I think Jules Maigret can really be seen as kind of a bridge character. A bridge character between this old golden age and uh, the new concept of the detective hero. Well, we will talk about many of these elements 
throughout this episode. And uh, then you will hopefully see what I mean. But let's come to the character. Who is Jules Maigret? Generally speaking, Jules Maigret is a man with many facets. He's the classical example of why you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Just looking at Maigret won't tell you what an incredible crime fighter he is. Even though his appearance is far from ordinary. His appearance is actually pretty intimidating. Maigret is a bulk of a man. He's 5 feet 11. He weighs 200 pounds and he has very broad shoulders and big hands. His demeanor can be described as sluggish, slow, even tired at times. He has a very deep voice. He rarely speaks anything more than he has to. And his face would rather remind you of a heavyweight boxer than of a policeman. He also often wears a bowler hat, heavy winter coats, and he constantly smokes pipe. Would that be the way how you would describe a prototypical empathetic person? I don't think so. But that is actually what Maigret is. Much more than his empowering physique, it is empathy which is Maigret's greatest skill. He's a detective who uses psychological tactics and empathy to solve his cases. He's in fact even so empathetic that it causes him more harm than it does him good. You see, Georges Simenon took a new path when he invented his leading character. He wanted to step outside this bubble of the nearly omniscient, sweat-free gentleman detective, and he wanted to create someone more relatable and realistic, someone who could represent the French working class. In his early years, Simenon traveled a lot by boat, and he crossed many canals in France, Belgium, and the Netherlands. And it was on one of these journeys when the first idea about his new detective would pop into his head. It is described that Simenon's boat, at that time the Ostrogoth, was anchored in the harbor of Delftseil, which is a town in the northern parts of the Netherlands. That was around the winter of 1929 and 1930. The crazy thing is that I have already been to this town more than once. I uh, kind of study near to it, and I just have never known how famous it was. Yeah, well, Simonon himself was sitting in a cafe on a sunny morning, and he had a drink. He reported, quote, In any case, after an hour, a little sleepily, I gradually saw the powerful, immobile stature of a man looming up who seemed to me to make a right commissaire. End quote. So Simenon took this figure and he equipped it with various props like the pipe, the bowler hat, and uh, the thick overcoat. And now, what is also pretty funny, or a funny anecdote, is that just because it was so damp and cold in his boat, Simenon decided to put 
an old potbelly stove into Maigret's office. And this stove is referenced on several occasions in the stories, and it kind of functions as a gimmick prop. You know, it's kind of a well-known Maigret element for the reader. Simenon published the first novel about Maigret in 1931, and he wrote several more up until 1972. So in total, he produced 75 novels and 28 short stories with Maigret as a leading character. Simenon was a very productive writer. In fact, his writing pace was infamous. It was told that he usually finished a Maigret short story in only three to four days, and he would write a full novel in just about two weeks. And on top of that, everything was high quality, meaning that the Maigret adventures are considered jewels of French literature up until today. So most of the stories are written from the perspective of Georges Simenon himself. He functions as Maigret's friend and his biograph. He has a very creative alias, which is Georges Sim. Oh, who could that be? But then, in 1950, Simenon also blessed the public with Maigret's memoirs. And in Maigret's memoirs, the stories are written from Maigret's perspective. And there we can learn a lot about Maigret's own thoughts about his cases and his adventures. And also because Simenon had already initially planned on making Maigret the main protagonist of a series, there are a lot of personal details about Maigret in all the stories in total. So, coming back to the traditional and the new elements for detective stories for a moment, we can see that Maigret has a friend and a biograph in his author, and that is a very classical detective element. We already saw that with uh, Sherlock Holmes, Hercule Poirot, Auguste Dupin, and uh, Peter Whimsey. But in Maigret's memoirs, we get to read about many cases from the main character's perspective, and that is rather new. If you think about it, there has been, uh, I think, just one Sherlock Holmes story, which is written from Holmes' perspective. And I don't know for the others, I think there is pretty much nothing. Um, so I'd say writing from the uh, detective's perspective is definitely not part of the traditional format. Okay, but now let's look at Maigret's fictional biography a bit. As I said before, we know a lot about his life. He was born as Jules Amédée François Maigret in the town Moulin in the Département Allier, which is in central France, in 1877. He is an only child. His father, Évariste Maigret, manages the Château Saint-Fiacre, and the whole 7,500-acre ground. Jules' mother tragically dies of complications during the birth of her second child when Maigret was eight years old. His father never really recovered from the shock, and he also dies very early, just being 44. 
So the young Jules Maigret, who was studying medicine at that time, decided to abandon his studies and to leave for Paris to earn money. He didn't really know how, but that was his plan. So he first finds lodging in an old hotel near the left bank. And then he luckily runs into an old acquaintance. This old acquaintance has the name of Jacques Main. And Jacques Main is a chief inspector at the Quai des Orfèvres, which is the address of the main building of the Paris Criminal Police. He basically awakened in the young Maigret his eternal childhood dream of getting into the Paris Criminal Police. But Maigret is a little different. He doesn't just jump in and is immediately successful. No, before that, he had to prove himself. And he had to do patrol duty. So he was guarding railway stations and department stores. And he passed through stations. And, um, well, he was in very many different uh, departments. So he was with the Paris Vice Squad and the Foreign Police. And then when he's 30, he's eventually promoted um, to the Criminal Investigation Department. And he's promoted by a man called Javier Guichard. And this man was acquainted with Maigret's father. And interestingly, the real head of the Paris Criminal Investigation Department was also called Javier Guichard. And uh, he had invited Simonon on a behind-the-scenes fact-finding visit uh, to the Quai des Orfèvres. After the first successful release of the first Maigret novel. So this character was actually real. Now Maigret himself, when he gets promoted, is very excited about his new position. And he immediately runs home to his wife to tell her the good news. He is even so much in shock that he trips at the doorstep, he falls down and he nearly faints. He himself later reports, quote, I could hear triumphant clarion's calls ringing in my ears. The dream of my life was being realized. End quote. Now here we come to another very crucial element in the Maigret stories. And uh, I think it's also kind of a new detective character element. And that is the wife. Despite Maigret appearing to be another lone wolf detective, he's actually happily married. He met his wife during one of his cases and she turned out to be the love of his life. Her name is Louise Leonard and she's described as a, quote, rather plump young girl with a very fresh face and a sparkle in her eyes that was lacking in her friends, end quote. So that's Maigret's uh, own description of her. So the two marry in 1912 and they move into a flat on the Boulevard Richard Lenoir. And that's the flat where the two remain throughout Maigret's career. Also interestingly, Louise soon after loses her name. That is, quote-unquote, loses her name. 
because from now on she's only known as Madame Maigret. And that is a very curious thing because she calls him Maigret and he calls her Madame Maigret Peck. And it is mentioned once that this weird addressing by the last name is due to the two nearly becoming one person. But it also has another reason, a much simpler reason, and that is that Maigret just hates his full name. He hates the whole Jules Amédée François thing. It is too much for him. It doesn't suit his character. He just likes it short and practical, like his overall attitude. And so he prefers to just be called by his last name, simply Maigret. Louise, or Madame Maigret, is the perfect wife. She is warm and kind-hearted and extraordinarily understanding. She never complains about her husband's irregular working hours and uh, she always takes care of him when he comes down with one of his innumerable colds. And Maigret is a guy who always works late. He never shies away from waiting in front of a suspect's house for hours in the rain. So naturally, he's much more often sick than a normal person would be. It is said that he has an iron constitution, however. Or maybe Louise Carings is just very good, but Maigret never gets worse than having a cold. But he's not just a bad husband. When he can, he always returns home for dinner or for lunch. And also when time allows it, he and Louise love to spend time together. They're often going for a walk or they're attending the neighborhood cinema. Maigret's favorite films are comedies. And I think uh, that makes a lot of sense. Just imagine your job is just about death and murder all the time. I think in your free time you would uh, prefer to watch something funny, something light. Yeah, so in total, Maigret's uh, love life, his personal life is great. And career-wise, everything points up for him as well. He uh, already worked for his dream job. And he eventually even rises to the position of police commissioner. And uh, here it is also worthy to mention that Maigret is often inaccurately referred to as inspector. And that is uh, due to faulty translations from the French narratives to English. Um, the commissioner is two positions higher than the inspector. So that's quite a difference and it's actually important to address him with his uh, rightful title. Yeah. Let's come to the last point on our agenda, and that is Maigret's crime-solving methods. As I already said before, Maigret does not follow the typical path of the armchair gentleman detective. So he doesn't magically reveal clues out of nowhere, and he doesn't observe the cigar ashes with a magnifying glass. No, Maigret's approach to murder and to crime is much more practical. But it's still not free of drops of genius talent here and there. Maigret cannot really be described as the greatest mind of his time. So when it comes to logic, and he often... Um, appears slow and even tired. 
but he has two very reliable attributes that help him to compensate. So first of all, there is Maigret's stoicism, his resilience, and his great dedication to his job. Um, I pulled out some quotes, because I think who could describe uh, his job better than the commissioner himself? He says, quote, Some investigations take months. Certain criminals are eventually arrested only after long years, and then sometimes by pure chance. In practically every case, the process is the same. You have to know. You have to know the milieu in which a crime has been committed. You have to know the way of life, the habits, morals, reactions of the people involved in it, whether they are victims, criminals or merely witnesses. To enter into their world without surprise, easily, and to speak its language naturally. That is why we aren't wasting our time when we spend years pacing the pavements, climbing stairs or spying on pilferers in big stores. Like the cobbler, like the pastry cook, we are serving our apprenticeship with this difference, that it goes on for practically the whole of our lives, because the number of different circles is almost infinite. I come and I go, and I sniff around. People say I'm waiting for inspiration. What I'm waiting for is the one significant event that never fails to happen. The whole thing is to be there when it does, so that I can take advantage of it. End quote. So, here are several things going on. Uh, in the first part, he basically describes his job. And he describes all the necessities of his job. So the whole part about knowing the way of life, the habits, the morals, the reactions of the people involved in a crime case. And um, his emphasis on uh, that it's a job like the cobbler, like the pastry cook. That the policemen are not wasting their time when they do all this... Uh, when they do all this sniffing around. And if you remember, if you take, for example, Sherlock Holmes or Hercule Poirot or pretty much all of the prototypical gentleman detectives, they all kind of look down on the policemen, on their sluggish work, on how they try to collect clues and how they uh, investigate all the witnesses and how they interrogate the witnesses and all that stuff. They don't really care about that because they have their... Great logical powers, right? But for Maigret, it's very different. He's on the side of the police. He actually concentrates on these little things. And he's very proud of that too. And so his whole outlook about the profession of the policeman is very down-to-earth, very modest. He himself also describes it one more time. He states, quote, with all due deference to novelists, a detective is above all a professional. He is an official. He is not engaged in a guessing game, nor getting worked up over a relatively thrilling chase. When he spends a night in the rain, watching a door that doesn't open or a lighted window, when he patiently scans the pavement's cafes on the boulevards for a familiar face, or prepares to spend hours questioning a pale, terrified individual, he's doing his daily job. 
He's earning his living, trying to earn as honestly as possible the money that the government gives him at the end of every month in remuneration for his services. End quote. So again, Maigret's view varies quite drastically from characters like Sherlock Holmes or Hercule Poirot. These guys saw themselves as superior. They oftentimes even straight up ridicule the police for their poor effort at solving a case. And Maigret, who cannot really be called a logical genius, he doesn't care about all these superficial dramatics. He just goes every day to do his job. He has the right moral code and um, he just... He doesn't really try to achieve greatness, per se. He just wants to be a good citizen. And as I said before, Maigret is someone who should represent the French working class. And with these statements, you can really say um, why he does. He's on their side. But he's still superior. And we will come to that now, because even though he cannot be called a logical genius per se, he has a very strong talent, and that is his empathy together with a great intuition. Maigret attempts to slip into the skin of the criminal, and he tries to think and act like him. And as he stated before, that's why it's so important for his job to know everything about the persons that are involved in a crime case. That's why he needs to sniff around that much. That's why he needs to wait in the rain and uh, just observe this one window. Because for him and his talent for his job, it's very important that he can become the criminal as nearly as possible. And then, when he has practically assumed his suspect's identity, then he's sure of him. And then he's able to arrest the suspect. And as I said in the beginning, sometimes this method is not good for Maigret himself. Because the danger of the method is that when Maigret accepts the killer's mind into his own body, he becomes more and more attuned to the killer's way of thinking. And uh, Maigret's empathy becomes so intense that he starts to understand the lethal motives of the killer. And then, of course, it is a problem when it comes to arresting or imprisoning someone or even execute someone at that time, which was happening much more often than today. Just imagine you become the killer in that sense. And um, that's also a very interesting detail about the Maigret stories. There's a lot of uh, focus on psychology. And on uh, for that time, surprisingly early, there was a lot of focus on uh, the killer's methods, their motives. Like, it wasn't just, that's the bad guy. And uh, we could see Maigret struggling with this concept, struggling with knowing what's right and what's wrong all the time. And that, for example, is one of the biggest new elements that the Maigret stories brought in. Uh, brought into the detective character, that is. The whole aspect about the criminal isn't just evil. It's not that easy. 
and a detective has to struggle with that sometimes. I think it was kind of referenced in uh, some of the um, gentleman detective stories as well, like uh, some moral ambiguity, but Maigret brings it on another level and uh, a lot of it has to do with that talent of his, with his empathy. Yeah. The whole psychology part is something that just came to me in the moment. So I hope you get uh, where I'm going with this. Uh, I think what's left are the archetypes. Putting Jules Maigret into his detective archetype. And that's uh, pretty easy. He is a police detective. First and foremost, I think he is um, the most police detective of all the police detectives because he is basically so proud about his work and he really stands for what the police is doing. And I have to say, even though I was confronted with gentleman detectives first and there's still the more portrayed detectives I think when it comes to fictional detectives at least of course there's a lot of crime solving police series uh, stuff going on and many movies as well but for me this is more thriller you know and the fictional detective in a more romantic sense is often the uh, well the gentleman armchair detective right the I know it all kind of guy or girl and um, Maigret is just so very interesting to me because he is not that way and he still is. So he really brings the two worlds together. There are so many elements, like I said before, which are new. The whole psychology part, um, the thing about him having... Uh, adventures written from his own perspective that we know so many personal details about him that um, he's involved with many real people at real places in France and he seems like a very relatable and realistic guy I mean you wouldn't think like well Maigret he probably didn't exist right he could have existed because he doesn't have like superpowers his skills come across very natural is what I want to say. I really find Maigret a very interesting character, and I hope you understand now why I meant that he is kind of a bridge character. He leads us from the gentleman armchair detective to, for example, the noir detective, the more kind of um, sniffing around detective, you know, the dog type detective, as what I like to call them. Anyway, Thank you very much for listening. And uh, again, sorry for the long absence. I will try to produce more content again. And yeah, check out my Instagram if you want. Sharingfords underscore table underscore talk. I sometimes post uh, detective related stuff there. And yeah, apart from that, um, if you enjoy the content here, think about subscribing or uh, leaving a review or a rating wherever you listened to this episode 
or to any other podcast episode and hope to hear from me again soon goodbye Thank you.